So I haven't shared in, well, it's been a while. I don't remember the last time I shared because, let's see, it was, I think it was, was it December? Or, or was it December? Wow. So uh, we went to D.C. and then uh, came back and got COVID. I didn't necessarily get it in D.C., I'm pretty sure. Um, <coughs> I had it. Um, literally, I, I started feeling something come on me as I was driving up to D.C. in the van with all the people in it. And it was like my nose started itching, and it was like, oh, my gosh. So I started... But I'll, I'm not going to talk about that today. I may share a little bit about that later. But um, I got something I do want us to talk about. Um, first of all, I just want to do some... Um, I got a lot of things I want to do today, and I am looking for something that I can't find. We're going to... Um, how many notice we did switch platforms for social media? Everybody aware of that? All right, I want to explain to you why. Um, as y'all all are aware, the censoring has been getting pretty bad, but they literally, for no reason and did not tell me what I did, they locked me out of posting in the church that I'm pastoring. And uh, I was literally Facebook. And they, they would not let me, they, not only did they lock me out, but they won't let me create any more groups in Facebook. So... I thought that was the straw that broke the camel's back for me. I'm like, man, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to support them. And so um, if you notice, we went to MeWe. That may be a temporary site. I, mean, I don't know if that's going to be the, the forever home, it's, but it's somewhere where we can communicate and get information out to people. If you're not on MeWe, you can join it, and we pass along stuff. Also, let us get your emails, and we'll send you email notifications of important news and stuff at the church. But I just wanted to explain why we did that. Uh, we may, you know, Gab actually is, looks like it might be something that's really good to have. They have their own servers, so they can't be taken down. Uh, it looks like the guy that, that opened it is a Christian, but he has such an influx of people coming into it that it's, they're not ready for the capability. They don't, they're not, they don't have enough servers yet to handle the traffic that's going to it, so we can't really do that right now. But for now, we're on MeWe, so check us out. Um, you know, I'm just going to say this too. I, my personal belief, and this is me, but I think if Christians, if more Christians got involved in this way, I think it would make an impact. It, it, we all have a voice. You know that? You all have a voice. One of their greatest voices is how you spend your dollar. Y'all realize that? How you spend your money speaks loud. How you don't spend your money speaks volume. When we support companies that are uh, for wickedness, and unrighteousness, and, and, and then they become totalitarian in the sense that they begin to silence any voice that differs from their own personal opinion. Uh, I think it's time that, me personal, my personal belief is it's time that you stop giving you know, your money to them. And uh, I didn't realize to the degree of how bad it got, but I had the Lord speak to me in um, early November about Amazon, and he told me that he wanted me to cancel my Amazon account, and I was like, oh, this ain't going to go over well, because <laughs> we get a lot of stuff delivered from Amazon. It's so easy, and then the Lord started speaking to me about small business, 
And I was literally praying. I was like, Lord, are you really telling me you want me to start doing all small business? And I looked over to the left in my bedroom and sitting there, where it came from, you know, it was, a, it was a box that had been set in my bedroom and it literally said small business. I'm sitting there praying if the Lord really wanted me to start supporting small business and, and, and really go ahead and do, get rid of all this big business. And I looked over and saw that and I thought, man, that's, that, what do you do with that? That's the Lord. And so I've started trying to find place, and I know it's difficult, it's going to cost me more money. But, you know, if everybody began that, that, that was unhappy with the way big companies were spending their money to promote wickedness, if we began to spend our money differently and we were willing to sacrifice a little bit, then, man, what a voice that would be. You know, so for as for me and my house, we're not going to serve Amazon. <laughs> so just saying, use Rick's thing, just saying. Um, or, you know, as Robin used to say, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Uh, so, <clears throat> all right, so I'm going to jump into something. I felt like uh, I got two things I want to share. They kind of go together. I want to address a little bit what we've been doing. Um, you know, we've been contending for something in, in the church, and I haven't had a chance to talk to you guys as a church with what was going on with the election and the, and the fraud in the election and all that kind of stuff. I am excited about the Lord today. I am so excited about the kingdom of God. I, I am stirred up. I feel like I have something brand new that's just going off inside of me that I'm, I'm ready to just really focus on the kingdom of God, on reaching souls, on seeing people grow in the prophetic, doing the things that we were called to do. You know, we have a calling at this church, and it's to focus on the presence of God. That's our number one thing. Make a place that he wants to come to and dwell. The second thing is we want to equip every person that comes to us to grow in Christ, to hear his voice, to know him, to be able to grow up into him and do the works that he did. And the third thing is we want to be a family. We don't want to ever grow away from being a family. Those are our goals, and we want to stick to those goals, and we are going to. We have been in a tough spot in our country. We still are. And it has taken a lot of the focus that we've been doing for really all year to a degree. But with the COVID hit and everything and uh, took us down for a couple months, we started back in May. But there's been a lot of stuff going on with the, with the, the elections and the things that have been said, and I've been processing, and I feel like I've learned a lot through this season. Um, but one of the things that I feel like I just want to get out there, this is my opinion, this is what I believe, this is what I'm standing for, and I just want to say it, okay, today. We are going to get moving in a, in a direction of equipping the saints for the work of service very soon, and we, we've been doing that some, even still, but we've been focused, and we needed to be, I think, or I didn't know how to get past the season we were in, but um, I want to move on without moving on. I want to walk and chew gum at the same time. I want to continue to, and I'll explain some of this, but if you remember uh, the day after the election, um, we, me and Paul shared some things that the Lord had given us concerning uh, what had been going on. And, you know, uh, the interesting thing is, if you weren't here, Paul had been asking the Lord, what are you saying? 
which is always a good thing. When you see something going on that you don't understand, don't allow it to take you out emotionally. Go in and get into the presence of the Lord and begin to hear what he's saying because that is the most important thing. You know, he gives us fresh bread every morning, but we got to go get it. It's called manna. We have to get into the presence of the Lord and get that manna every day. Can't live on yesterday's manna. And that's a representative of his presence. It's a representative of his voice, hearing his word. And so we got to be people that are hearing what he's saying. And so Paul did that. He got before the Lord, and the Lord gave him 1 Kings chapter 1, I believe it was. Um, and he had given a word about Solomon and Ad- Adonijah. God, why do I have such a tough time with that? Um, but the interesting thing was he had called me that week, and he said, hey, are you getting anything? And we started comparing what the Lord was giving him and what the Lord was giving me, and he had this whole thing that we're going to go over in a minute. And then I had a thing about the, what the Lord had shown me about um, uh, the Lord. I was praying for Donald Trump one day, in the, I think it was in July, and I saw him as George Washington in prayer. And the Lord began to show me that he, he was about, that when we get through this season that we're in, there's going to be a new birth of a new era in the United States, and he's going to be seen as the father of this new era. And that he was going, and I even wrote this in my journal, that he was going to lead us through a civil war, a war, and that in the, on the backside, he's going to be known. And I, and I wrote it down. That's what I was getting. I wrote it down. I was sharing that with Paul. Paul was sharing what he was getting with me. Went on a few days later. We were going to share about this Sunday, but then Friday, I think it was evening, the week after the election, he, um, he texted me a link to a, a video, whatever you call it, a Zoom call between Chris Reed and Justin Perry that they had done at the Morning Star in Charlotte. And they had just, I guess it got released Friday or something, and you sent it to me. And as I began to listen to what they were saying, Justin had the exact word from the Lord that Paul had. And what was interesting to me was that Chris Reed almost had the identical word I had. And we hadn't talked, hadn't shared notes or nothing, but it was like a confirmation that the Lord was really speaking something. And, um, and so, you know, the Bible says we see in part and we prophesy in part. You know, part of the confusion about the prophetic is that when you're trying to listen to what God's saying, God will give you a puzzle piece. And a lot of times you begin to, in your mind, you begin to try to play that out. How is this going to work out? What does this look like? And a lot of times you miss things when you do that because you're trying to take what you see in part and share it as a whole. And sometimes it takes a couple pieces, if you've ever put a puzzle together, before you begin to see, oh, okay, that's an arm. Okay, let's put this, oh, okay, okay, I'm starting to get the picture. And the more pieces you get and you put into it, the more you begin to see. And I feel like a lot of times with the prophetic, when you're trying to hear God, one of the hardest things to do is to hear him clearly when you have an emotional investment in an outcome. I've learned that the hard way, and I'm still learning it the hard way. It messes your timing up. It messes because we, we have a tendency to not be able to hear what we don't want to hear. Okay, does that make sense? Yeah. I remember th- being convinced that the Lord was telling me to buy this house when I was young. I was in my 20s, and I was convinced the Lord was telling me to move to this house. But the reality was he wasn't. 
he finally showed me that this was all me and my own desire. And, you know, the scripture talks about, I think it's in Ezekiel, where it says, I think it's Ezekiel, but I could be wrong, but where, it's where the Lord says, he will speak to you through the idol of your heart. And a lot of times we hear what we want to hear. Okay, does that make sense? Now, <clears throat> I don't think a lot of what's been heard is wrong. I just think how it plays out. And let me give you an example of that in, in there was all kinds of messianic prophecies about Jesus for thousands of years. You get to Isaiah, you're around 700 years. You know, all these prophecies, there are prophecies about that he's going to come and rule, you know, rule the nations. And he's going to, you know, he talked about him taking up a rod. And uh, there was so many prophecies about him judging the nations not to mention all the prophecies about the suffering and the, and the other stuff, but when the, children, when the, when the um, disciples and, and Israel in general, when Jesus showed up, they were under occupation by Rome, and they didn't like that. And they had all these prophecies that Jesus was going to rule. He was going to be a ruler, and these words were true. Jesus is going to be a, he is a ruler. But they tried to fit that into their own scenario in a way that caused them to miss the purpose that God was doing in Jesus when he came. He came as Savior for the first time. He came to show us how to live our life. He, he came to save us from our sins, to heal us of our disease, to show us what is possible when a man submits fully to the Holy Spirit. Okay? Jesus in Revelations, it says he's coming back to rule the nations with a rod of iron. When he comes back the second time, he's coming back with a sword that's coming out of his mouth. See, all those prophecies were true, but they didn't happen in the timing that the children of Israel thought it was going to happen. When their Messiah came, they, could, they had trouble, especially the disciples, they had trouble understanding why Jesus is dying. And then he rose again, and they're like, Lord, is it now you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They're still focused on him taking, knocking Rome out of the ballpark, you know? This is their focus because they had prophecies that have been spoken. And they were trying to fit them into what they wanted in their timing, okay? And it wasn't that the word wasn't true. It was that the timing wasn't exactly the way they thought it was going to be. And I've learned that Every word that the Lord has spoken over my life, when it finally gets fulfilled, it doesn't quite look the way I thought it would. Have you ever experienced that? It gets fulfilled, and there's no denying, man, this was the fulfillment of what the Lord said, but this was not how I envisioned it looking. Y'all know what I'm saying? Okay, so I want to talk about Paul's word because we, you know, it appears that what we were believing for didn't happen. And I just wanted to give you some things. I had a dream on January 1st I want to talk about, and I also want to talk to you about Paul's Word because I think it's important that we look at that and we understand. Now, in how many are familiar with the story of Adonijah and Solomon in 1 Kings? Okay. Let me give a backdrop. Not everybody is. Sorry, I'm going to call. Um. Solomon, God had spoken to King David that Solomon, his son, the, daughter, the, the son of Bathsheba, would be the anointed one that would rule after David. And 
David declared to Bathsheba that Solomon would one day rule on your throne, that he would be the king. And But what happens is David begins to get sick. He's very sick. And while he's busy being sick, laying in bed, dying, uh, his other son, the second in line, because uh, Absalom was the oldest and he's dead now, and so Adonijah was second in line. If you read this in 1 Kings, he wanted to be king. And so he went and began to um, get leaders that were in the kingdom aligned with him so that he could basically take the king, the, the throne. And if you read that story, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but um, if it is in 1 Kings, I encourage you to look at it. I'm going to give you an overview, and then I'm going to tell you what I think it means. But this is all in uh, 1 Kings chapter 1. The first whole chapter is this story, and then the second chapter we're going to talk about a little bit too. So what he does is he gets... Um, the king of the army, he gets the head of the army, uh, he gets one of the priests, he gets a bunch of men surrounding him, all of David's sons, all of David's sons, minus Solomon. He gets them all together, and he goes and he de- has a big feast, and he declares himself king, and everyone begins to celebrate because he has taken the kingship. Well, Let me read just a minute of this. Now Adonijah, this is verse 5, the son of Haggith exalted himself saying, I will be king. So he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen with 50 men to run before him. His father had never crossed him at any time by asking, why have you done so? So the king isn't King David is not doing anything right now to stop Adonijah. So he never stopped him, never asked, why are you doing this? And it says that he was a very handsome man and he was born after Absalom. He had conferred with Joab, the son of Zerui. Now that was the, if, just so you know, Joab was the head of the army. And Abathur the priest and following Adonijah, they helped him. So he's got the religious and the military working with him to to help establish him. And um, But Zadok the priest and Benaniah the son of Jehoiada, Nathan the prophet, Shemel, Re, and the mighty men who belonged to David were not with Adonijah. Adonijah sacrificed sheep and oxen fatlings by the stone of Zohaleth, I can't say all these names, Zohaleth, which is beside Enrogel, and he invited all his brothers, his king's sons, and all the men of Judah, the king's servants. But he did not invite Nathan the prophet, Benaniah the mighty man, and Solomon his brother. And then Nathan spoke to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, saying, Have you not heard that Adonijah the son of Haggith has become king, and David our Lord does not know it? Well, the thing is, is David did know it. Just saying. That's what it said in uh, verse 6. So now come, please let me give you counsel and save your life and the life of your son Solomon. Go at once to King David and say to him, Have you not, my lord, O king, sworn to your maidservant, saying, Surely Solomon, your son, shall be king after me, and he shall sit on my throne? Why then has Adonijah become king? 
Behold, while you are still there speaking with the king, I will come in after you and confirm your words. So Bathsheba went into the king in the bedroom. Now the king was very old, and (laughs) Abishag, the Shunammite, was ministering to the king. And then Bathsheba bowed and prostrated herself before the king. And the king said, What do you wish? She said to him, My lord, you swore to your maidservant by the Lord your God, saying, Surely your son Solomon shall be king after me, and he shall sit on my throne. All right, guys, I'm sorry. I've got to interrupt this one second. This wasn't a prop. I have to take this pill right now. <laughs> I almost cut my finger off. Well, I did cut it. I mean, it was hanging by me with a table saw in December, and it broke bones in my finger. And uh, last Monday, I ran into the wall, turning the lights out, and it busted again. And it's it's um, it's highly infected, and it's pretty serious infection. And uh, they have me on a very high dose of of. Um, my like my fingers purple. It's not the, that color, but it's it's purple, and it's you know you squeeze it and stuff comes out. You know. Anyway, my point is is I have to take this 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 uh, antibiotic every six hours, and I actually skipped one by accident, and I could literally tell a difference. So I got to do it anyway. Sorry for the interruption. <laughs> uh, so. Bathsheba went into the king, the bedroom. Now the king was very old. Da, da, da. Yeah, I've been read that. Then Bathsheba bowed and prostrated herself before the king, and the king said, What do you wish? She said to me, My lord, you swore to your maidservant by the Lord your God, saying, Surely your son Solomon shall be king after me, and he shall sit on my throne. Now behold, Adonijah is king, and now, my lord the king, you do not know it. He does know it. He has sacrificed oxen, fatlings, and sheep in abundance and invited all the sons of the king of Abathur the priest and Joab the commander of the army, but he has not invited Solomon, your servant. As, f- as for you now, my lord the king, the eyes of all Israel are on you to tell them who shall sit on the throne of my lord the king after him. Otherwise it will come about as soon as my lord the king sleeps with his fathers that I and my son Solomon will be considered offenders." Behold, while he was still speaking with King Nathan, the prophet came in and the Lord and, the, and, and told the king, saying, here is Nathan, the prophet. And when he came in before the king, he prostrated himself before the king and with his face to the ground. And Nathan said, my Lord, the king, have you said Adonijah shall be king after me and he shall sit on my throne? For he has gone down today and has sacrificed oxen and fatlings and sheep in abundance and has invited all the king's sons and commanders of the army. And Abathur the priest, and behold, they are eating and drinking before him, and they say, Long live King Adonijah. But me, even me, your servant, and Zadok the priest, and Benaniah the son of Jehoiada, and your servant Solomon, he has not inv- invited. He has this, has this thing been done by my lord the king, and have you not shown to your servant who should sit on the throne of my lord the king after him? And then King David said, Call Bathsheba to me. And she came into the king's presence and stood before the king. 
The king vowed and said, As the Lord lives, who has redeemed my life from all distress? Surely, as I vowed to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, saying, Your son Solomon shall be king after me, and he shall sit on my throne in my place. I will indeed do this this day. Then Bathsheba bowed with her face to the ground and prostrated herself before the king and said, May my lord King David live forever. Then King David said, Call to me Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaniah the son of Jehoiada. And they came into the king's presence. And the king said to them, Take with you the servants of the Lord, and have my son Solomon ride on my own mule and bring him down to Gion. Let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him there as king over Israel and blow the trumpet and say, Long live King Solomon. Then you shall come up after him, and he shall come and sit on my throne and be king in my place, for I have Adonijah him to be I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and Judah. Benaniah the son of Jehoiada answered and king said, Amen. Thus may the Lord the God of my Lord the King say, As the Lord has been with my Lord the King, so May he be with Solomon and make his throne greater than the throne of my Lord the king. So then you have them doing this. So Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaniah, son of Jehoiada, the, the Cherethites and the Pelethites went down and had Solomon ride on King David's mule and brought him to Gion. Zadok the priest then took the horn of oil from the tent, anointed Solomon, then they blew the trumpet, and all the people said, Long live King Solomon. All the people went up after him, and the people were playing on flutes and rejoicing with great joy, so that the earth shook at their noise. Now Adonijah and all the guests who were with him heard as if they were finished as they were finished eating. When Joab heard the sound of the trumpet, he said, Why is the city making such an uproar? And while he was still speaking, behold, Jonathan the son of Abathar, the priest, came. Then Adonijah said, Come in, for you are a valiant man, and bring good news. Jonathan replied to Adonijah, No, our Lord King David has made Solomon king. The king has also set with him Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaniah the son of Jehoiada, the Cherethites and the Pelethites, and they have made him ride on the king's mule. Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophets have anointed him king in Gion, and they have come up from there rejoicing so that the city is in uproar. This is the noise which you have heard. Besides, Solomon has even taken his seat on the throne of the kingdom. Moreover, the king's servant came to bless our Lord King David, saying, May your God make the name of Solomon better than your name, and his throne greater than your throne. And the king bowed himself on the bed. The king has also said thus, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who has granted one to sit on my throne today while my own eyes see it. Then all the guests of Adonijah were terrified, and they arose. Each went to his way, and Adonijah, afraid of Solomon, arose and went and took hold of the horns of the altar. So everybody freaked out that had been with Adonijah. All right, that was a lot of reading, but I want to make sure everyone knew the story. Paul talked about this word, so did Justin. Um, they had gotten it from the Lord that this was what was going on. And I believe that's a true word. I really do. I think, let me, let me kind of spell this out with what's going on today because I think there's a parallel. Obviously, Adonijah is Biden. You know, he he has taken a kingship or a um, or a position that he did not rightfully have from God. And you know, any I believe most most of y'all I know I know there's a few that may disagree with me. You don't have to say it, but uh, the majority of 
People in this room, I know you believe that this election was stolen. And there's plenty of evidence to prove that. Um, and so we have someone that, is, that does not deserve to be in the presidency. And God did speak so clearly about Trump. I mean, he really did. I've never seen so many prophetic words about uh, a president before. But he's not there, is he? Here's what I think our role is and what's playing out. Adonijah had taken his place that wasn't his, but what happened? Now, King David represents the Lord in this. David's, Jesus is the son of David, and what happens is, is that Bathsheba, who represents the church, the bride, she comes and says, you know, and David's watching this. He knew what was going on. He never crossed him in any of this. He's watching. So what happens is Bathsheba comes in before him and says, did you not say? Did you not say that Solomon would be king? Did you not say? We ever hear stuff like that before? You know, give the Lord no rest until he establishes Jerusalem, a praise in the earth. There's so much in scripture about contending for things and not letting go of things. And if you remember Paige on that Sunday, she came up front and she said the Lord gave her a word. She had one word and it was the word contend. And that's when the power, right when she said the word contend, the power started fluctuating on the building and then it went down and then went right back up. Y'all remember that? That was a sign. That was the Lord speaking. This is my word, contend. And I want to talk to you about contending a little bit today, and then I want to talk to you about a dream I had on uh, the first. When we're contending for something, Bathsheba was going in, and she's, she's, she's bowing down to the king, and she's trying to get him to do something. And you know what? He did it. He honored his word, but it took his wife or the bride coming in and holding him to it. Now, obviously, that's a messed up concept to many because, like, how can you make God do something? God wants you to. If you don't believe it, look at Luke 18. He tells a parable that you'd pray and never give up. And then he says there was, an un, there was a widow who wanted justice, and she went into the unrighteous king, and she asked him for, uh, for him to intervene against those that were oppressing her. And, and he wouldn't do it, so she kept coming back every day in Luke 18. She's coming to the king. Give me justice against my adversary. Give me justice. You hear that? Justice. 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 Righteousness and justice is the foundation of God's throne. That's what the scripture says. And this lady, this, this widow, who has no standing in that society at that time, is asking for justice. And she says that, and the king says, good night. Even though I don't fear God and I don't care nothing about man, but lest this widow wear me out by her continually coming, I'm going to grant all that she requests. And Jesus said, do you see what the unrighteous judge does? How much more will your heavenly father bring justice speedily when, to his children who cry to him day and night? But then he put a little twist on it at the end. But when the son of man comes... Will he find faith on the earth? There is a faith in contending. There's a faith in not giving up. There's a faith in believing when God speaks something that we hold him to it. God wants us to hold him to it. That's what he said in, in uh, Isaiah when he says that he, you know, give the Lord no rest 
until he establishes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. God was establishing, he was talking about watchmen in that passage. And, you know, there's a way that we can continually come before the Lord and begin to contend for something. We're not letting go of this. You know, there's lots of examples in scriptures of Jesus, God, let's say, and Jesus doing things that he wasn't, didn't look like he was going to do. You know, uh, with the only time Jesus refused to heal somebody in the Bible, you all know that story? Syrophoenician woman, she comes to Jesus, and he, she's crying out to him, and he won't answer. And then the disciples are saying, Lord, make this woman shut up. And he says, he says I'm only sent to the lost, house, or the lost sheep of Israel. And then she comes up crying out, Lord, help me. My daughter is, needs to be healed. She was demon-possessed. And the Lord says to her, it's not good to give the children's bread to the dogs. Sounds pretty rude, doesn't it? Sounds like rejection. No, get out of here. But you know what this woman says? She says, but Lord, even the dogs feed on the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And Jesus goes, whoa, great is your faith. It will be done for you as you have believed. There was a persistency in her that got Jesus to do something that he said he wasn't going to do. His mother did the same thing. Y'all remember the miracle at Canaan? He comes to Jesus. They're out of wine. What has that got to do with me? My time has not come. She looks to the servants. Do whatever he says. <laughs> Talking about putting you on the spot, right? And what did Jesus do? He said, tell them to fill up six ceremonial washing jars with water. And, he, and then go draw it out to the master of the banquet. And when he did, turn from water into wine. G, the, his mother, because of faith in who he was, put a demand on what, he, what she wanted. She put a demand on the Lord, and she wouldn't take no for an answer. That's called faith, and it pleases God. You can see that same passage in Luke 11 and, and, and Matthew 7. I think it's Luke 11 where it says that a, a um, talks about you know, Jesus tells a parable where a, get, a guest comes to someone in the middle of the night and they have nothing to set before them, so they go to their neighbor and they're knocking on the door and saying, look, let me borrow some bread to put before this person that has come to me from a long journey. And, he's, and the, his neighbor says, listen, I'm in bed with my kids. Go away. We're not giving you nothing right now. It's the middle of the night. But what did the neighbor do? Kept knocking. You know how irritating that is? Hey, hey, I'm not going anywhere. Get up and give me bread. It's irritating. But what does Jesus say? He says he, even though he was his neighbor, he will give him nothing, but because of his consistent knocking, he will give him all that he asked for. That's the picture here that we need to take into with this contending. God wants his bride to begin to contend and to hold on that God is going to do what he said and he's going to judge this wickedness. He's going to remove people who are illegitimate and he is going to install the person that he said was supposed to rule uh, for this season. He's going to do that. He's going to do it. Um, 
I don't think he's going to do it in the timing that we obviously that we thought he was going to. Okay, and I I didn't ha- I didn't know this till the first of January, but I had this dream, and I think it helps it helped me. But this dream is not for the immature. So if you want to just if you just want to have stuff that just sounds good all the time, makes you feel good, and not have to change, not have to grow, then you you need to leave right now because I'm about to tell you a dream, and it's not an easy dream to bear, but it is the Lord. Okay, y'all ready? All right. I had been seeking the Lord for a word for this year and not getting anything. I think I got a few things on uh, the Day of Atonement, but not a lot, but I'd been really seeking the Lord. Lord, what are you doing this year? Well, on the 1st of January, I had, a, I had three dreams all back to back. Here it is. I dreamed I was at some place almost like a museum. It was inside, but it was also outside like how they do in museums. You know how they make certain scenes look like, like, you know, like it's outdoors, but you're actually inside. And um, I was with this group of people. I knew they were Christians. And I was with them, but I'm sitting back watching. And there were three scenes or three scenarios that I knew had happened. One was like right here. They had just experienced this. And then they went to here and experienced this. And now they were over here in the, in the present experience in this, okay? Now, you know how dreams are. They, things can happen in dreams that wouldn't happen in the natural, but there are usually messages in that. So um, what had happened in these three things were really bad. They were traumatic. And um, the middle one was, or the first one, the first one there had been, only in dreams, but I think this is a message. There was a car wreck in this one, but it was also a bear attack. I know you can't have that in real life, but that's what it was. It was a bear attack, car car wreck. This scene was a scene from like uh, the Smithsonian Museum or something where they have the, the cavemen, and, but yet it was a jail cell. So these people that were over here, they had went from this car wreck, bear attack, to being locked up in this place that was like prehistoric it was uh, it was cavemen and then they were here and I didn't quite know what was going on but I had a sense that the bear was coming back because I saw the bear and it was like the bear was coming back to attack again and then right from my right God the father spoke up to the right and he said do you think I won't let this happen and instantly when he said that I knew that all three things were like Job experiences where the Lord allowed things to happen that were not pleasant. But I saw the people here, and all of a sudden I had an understanding that there was two things that God was trying to get, that was trying to produce in his people. One, that they would worship. Worship now is the the most important thing we can do right now. Why? Well, in heaven, it's going to be easy to worship. I've shared this before. Y'all know this. Worship in heaven you're not going to need a little nudge to worship. Worship will be the easiest thing in the world. Here, 
when all hell's breaking loose and you're in pain and you're suffering and you got things going on and, and you stop to give God glory, to praise him. Lord, I'm hurting, but Lord, I love you. I don't understand, but Lord, I praise you. You are good and I will never let go of the goodness of God and I worship you and I praise you. Kind of like Paul did in the prison after he had been going to the place of prayer. He cast out a demon out of a fortune teller. Next thing you know, the master of that girl gets mad. They beat Paul and Silas, throw them in jail. They're locked up in this dark dungeon. And the next thing you know, what's he doing? Praising God. Just been beat to a pulp. (laughs) And he's in there worshiping. But what happened in the worship? We have got to learn to worship God now because we have an opportunity to touch God like we will never be able to touch him in eternity. When we worship him now in the midst of our suffering, it touches him in a way that we can never do it again. So we don't need to waste our opportunities to worship him. And that was part of what was going on. Job experienced bad things, but there was a redemptive nature in it all. One, it was a testimony to Satan. Hey, you fell. You turned away. These people were worshiping me. Bad things are happening, and they're not letting go of my goodness. They're not, they're not giving in to the pressure to do what Job's wife said, which is just curse God and die. He's like, oh, no. Uh-uh. I won't curse God and die. I came in this earth naked. I will leave naked. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know? The other thing in the dream that I knew was happening was God was trying to get his church to learn to be persistent. And that's what I'm talking about, the knocking. You stay in the fight until you win. Doesn't he all, the scriptures say he always leads us in his triumph? So when we, when we give up, We're losing faith. That's why Jesus said, pray and never give up. When we we give up, we're saying, I really don't believe God's going to see me through this. He's given up on us. And I understand how hard that is because when you're going through things that are confusing, it's it's easy to get lost. But we've got to keep our eyes on the Lord and realize that I'm going to persevere through this thing. I'm going to be persistent, and I'm going to see it to the other side where I know God will bring redemption. And he did in the book, in Job, didn't he? He restored all that he, double. It may have been more than double, I don't remember, but it was he, he got a restoration more than he had lost. And he became the richest man. And um, God restored to him. Now, um, that was the first dream. I believe that what that is referencing, and I'll, I'll explain the next two dreams. And I'll, the bear, bears, and bears have always in my dreams, and, and, I, and we don't have time; we're running late. But bears always have meant to me fear. There's a reason why I, I don't have time to go into it, but just trust me for today. This bear represents fear, and I don't know if you remember the word I had in the spring where. You know, the Lord showed me this shaking going on, and he told me not to get afraid of what was coming. There was a temptation to be afraid. I think the COVID attack was the first bear attack, and it was a fear, and it caused a wreck. 
in a lot of people's lives, okay? The second one was a lockdown. They were locked down. I think the, histo- the, the this is my own, I could not have this all together, but I believe those cavemen represented going backwards. And there was a lot in which that we did go backwards in, in a sense. Things began to lock down and we couldn't do some of the things that we have grown accustomed to doing. So there was a going backwards. The third one, I didn't know what it was, but I knew a bear was coming, which is fear again. And there was a fear, and the Lord was going to allow it to happen. I believe it's what we're walking in right now. I know a lot of people, and I, and I mean, for a moment, myself, I, you know, there were moments that I, I wanted to despair, which shows that I, and I'm glad I saw that, because when we're despairing, we've lost our sight on God. You can't see him and be in despair. Despair is getting your eyes off of him. And so when you begin to see these things in you where you're despairing over things going on, you lose. That's a telltale sign that you've lost your focus on the Lord and you're in fear. And fear is a sign that you're not trusting the Lord, which just means, hey, God, I need help. I'm afraid here. Something's not right in my foundation. Would you help me get my eyes back on you? And he does. So I think that's kind of what we were going through. And, and, And it'll make more sense the next two dreams. Next dream, I had this scene out of my high school days, but it was a little bit different. But I was playing, I was a football player, which I was in high school, and I got in trouble for something I had done, but the coach gave me a punishment that far outweighed what I had done. I mean, it was like I had done something, but it didn't deserve the, the, the severity of the punishment that I received. And everyone in the dream, I instinctively knew that everyone agreed with me that this was not fair. But the coach punished me in a way that was very severe. Then the third dream. Third dream is I'm in a school. Um, It was a school that I didn't know it at at this point, but later on in the dream, I knew it was a school called, because it was a school I went to for a couple years um, in real life, and it was called Heritage USA Academy. Okay, I think that's key. Heritage USA. And in this dream, I was trying to get away from the teachers who in the dream felt like they were trying to kill me. I was in trouble for something and I'm trying to get away. And I'm doing anything I can to to run from one room to the next, trying to find a way how to escape from the trouble that I was in. I don't know if I had done anything wrong, but I just knew that they were trying to get me. And there was a young kid with me, which I still, I'm still not sure what that is, but the, there was a, at some point I'm riding a horse, but in order to escape, I had to go through something that meant I left the horse behind. And I escaped, but I had to leave the horse behind. And I ran across the, to the, this, this neighborhood. And then all of a sudden it was like, time had sped up I had spent some time away from the school but my conscience had finally gotten me to come back to the school and I submitted to these teachers who I thought were trying to kill me do harm to me but when I did submit to it they became like fathers to me and there was a blessing in it okay so These dreams all go together. 
And here, and here it is. It's Hebrews chapter 12. If you want to turn there, you can, or I'm going to read it. Um, I know we're going a little over. I'm sorry for that, but I do feel like this is important. Um, because I feel like this is a message to us on how we're, we, we need to, we need what God's doing and what we need to embrace. Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witness surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. Okay? Remember I went back in there, and when I embraced what was going on, they were like fathers to me, and I was like a son. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. And he scourges every son whom he has received. I'm going to come back here. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father's spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness." All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful, yet to those who have been trained by it afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Therefore strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble and make straight paths for your feet so your limb, which is lame, may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. If you go back to verse 6, it says he scourges every son whom he receives. You know what a scourging is? It's what happened to Jesus. It was the whip you know, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace fell on him. And by his scourging, we were healed. It was those cat of nine tails that had pottery and glass and metal on the tips that would go around when he'd get whipped and it would dig into the flesh and rip the flesh off. This is no light punishment. This is severe Remember my severe punishment. He scourges every son whom he receives. God, if you're growing in God and you're walking with him and you're getting closer to him, there will come times in your life when he will scourge you. He will put you through something that is very painful. He's going to do it. But it's for your sake that you might share in his holiness. We have to learn how to embrace our trials. We have got to embrace the difficulty of the Lord. I believe for a season here, the Lord has allowed this thing. He has allowed it for our sake. Uh, I think Lisa sent me something before the church service that is very key. She said, judgment begins with the household of God. 
God is dealing with us right now. He is judging us so that he can judge the world. If the, if the church is in sin, how can he judge unrighteousness in the world? And I believe the Lord right now is because of his love for us is allowing some pressure, some heat to get turned on for a season so that we can grow. You know how you get wrinkles out of a shirt or some pants? You know how you do it? Got to turn the heat up. <laughs> the worse the wrinkles, the hotter the heat, right? Isn't he coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle? How do you think we're going to get there? I'll tell you, there, there's just in the fault of the things that, have, that are starting to happen, it has caused my attention to go to things that are much more important. I'm learning some good lessons. Now, let me, let me give you some good news. Okay? I mean, this is good news, but it's not fun. It's good news on the back end. Once you've been scored, you're like, you're done with it. Oh, thank you, Lord. I, I appreciate what I got. Glad that's over. You know, Jesus said, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Man, I'm so glad he doesn't have to do that again. You know, punishment is not fun when you're going through it, but on the back end, man. So here's some good news, though. I am 100% convinced, and I encourage you to seek God for this, but the Lord has shown me. I am so convinced, and he has confirmed this to me numerous times now that I'm, that I'm confident in saying this to you. You can read this in Jeremiah 51. You can read it in Revelation 17, 18, and 19, which is where I think we are. I, I think we're living this right now, Revelation 17, 18, and 19. He's going to judge the, the corruption, the immorality, the wickedness that is being, that's being done in our nation right now. He's going to judge it. He himself, and when it happens, he's going to do it in such a way that we don't praise a man we don't praise this. We don't praise that. We're going to praise him. And, we're, and what I said, if y'all remember the word I had about the, 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 the flip the switch. Remember the flip the switch word? The God's going to flip a switch, and we're going to worship And we're going to, when we see the goodness of the Lord. So here's what we need to do. We need to embrace where we're at. We need to embrace any hardship and discipline that's coming our way, any persecution, anything comes. Heaven's my home. I ain't worried about it. I'm worshiping him today, and no matter what I, he decides I have to go through, I'm going to worship, and I'm going to ask for the grace to worship, and I'm going to praise him, and I'm going to honor him, and I'm going to serve him, and I'm going to stay in the fight until he brings us through to the other side. Now, here's what I know. He's going to bring us through to the other side. He's trying to put persistence in us. So how does this all fit together? I believe what I said about Adonijah. I believe it with all my heart. I believe there's a season where Adonijah will, will reign for a little bit. It'll look like it. It's interesting to me. I just happened to run into this this morning looking at some of this. But in uh, Chronicles, towards the first Chronicles 29, it says Solomon was made king for the second time. I'd never seen that before in my life. They actually redid his uh, inauguration. And he became king for the second time. I'm not sure exactly what that's about, but it, it just jumped off the page at me, and I, and I believe that we're in that place. So um, I want to encourage you guys. We are praying every Monday night at 6.30. We are not going to stop.
contending for God to bring justice in the earth because he is a God of justice. Luke 18, we're going to knock on that door until that door opens. We're not going to stop. We're going to keep going to the king and say, King, you said this, and we're going to stand for that until that is established. In the meantime, endure hardship as discipline from God, for God disciplines those he loves. He loves you. If he didn't love you, he would leave you alone and wouldn't cause you to change. Pain causes us to change. There are some things you can't grow into without a little pain. That's just a fact. I know that. The most important um, strides I've made in my life have always come on the back end of pain. I don't know why that's the case. I don't like it. But didn't it say that about Jesus, that he learned obedience through the things that he suffered? He learned obedience. The Son of God had to learn obedience through the things that he suffered. It's amazing. And so I just want to encourage us, guys. We, we're, this is not over. God is, please read Jeremiah 51. Please read Revelation 17, 18, and 19. Please um, realize that God is a God of justice, and he is going to deal with that, but, it, but I do think that there's going to be a, a, there's a season in that. And so let's just watch and see what happens, but I'm not giving up. How about y'all? Y'all ready to give up? I'm not. I'm contending till the end.